Father, our hearts are before you. We lift our voice and our hearts in adoration and honor for your name. You alone are God and Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, the King, and the Prince of life. We honor you and adore you for this beautiful meeting, gathering the saints to hear your word and be transformed into the very likeness and image of Jesus. For we all with an unveiled face as we behold us in a mirror, the glory of God are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even us by the same spirit. We ask that this morning you flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. That you fill us with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we walk worthy of you unto all pleasing and bearing fruits unto you and increasing the knowledge of God. Strengthen with might with your glorious power unto all patience, unto all long suffering, and unto all joyfulness. We ask that Father we will grow to become like Jesus. Like John said, He must increase and I must decrease. We will see Jesus magnified in our mortal bodies. We thank you, Father, that you are glorified in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please be seated. What a beautiful day today. Your life will never be the same after this service. Hallelujah. You're talking like you're not here. I said your life will never be the same after this service. Glory to God. So, um, last year we began a, um, a series we couldn't continue due to certain circumstances. Uh, so, I want to use uh, this time onward to build on that series. If you remember, we taught on the 10 questions or questions to diagnose your spiritual health. That's a series title 10 questions to diagnose your spiritual health. 10 questions to diagnose your spiritual health. If you remember the other day, we said that when a person began, begins to feel a discomfort or begin to uh, feel he has a medical challenge, the person goes to see a doctor and before the doctor prescribes any drug or before the doctor makes any attempt to help that person who has um, that health challenge, the doctor first begins to um, ask some questions and those questions help the doctor to diagnose the, the condition of the person in order to help that person if you remember the other day also I told you that physical realities have their existence in the spirit whatever we see in the physical actually has its reality in the spirit realm what I mean by that is that whatever you you can see or touch you know this keyboard is producing a sound there's also a sound in the spirit we eat physically there's also spiritual eating we fall sick physically there's also spiritual diseases and sickness we go to the gym physically to become strengthened or strong or well built up in the spirit also there is spiritual gyming are you following this thing so um, God uses the physical to explain the spiritual to us so that we can be able to relate in our walk with him. Is someone getting this thing to this point? Good. So, um, for God to make us understand how we grow spiritually, 
we know physically there are three things you need to do to be able to grow the first thing you need to do is to eat the second thing you need to do is to breathe the third thing you need to do is to exercise these are the three essentials of growth likewise god uses these three same essentials to explain how we grow spiritually so god now uses physical eating to explain that we can only grow by feeding on the word of god so in matthew 4 4 he says that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god so now jesus uses physical bread to explain that the word of god is man's sustenance are you getting this thing so now we also said we grow by breathing now the bible says in first thessalonians chapter 5 the verse 17 it says pray without ceasing we don't cease to breathe we breathe constantly are you following that so if the bible says pray without ceasing that means prayer is the breath of the soul of the believer are you following that the third um, necessity for growth is exercise just like we have physical exercise we we also have spiritual exercises for example, a physical exercise is jogging. In the spirit, it's not jogging. In the spirit, it's evangelism. That's your spiritual jogging. You move out to go and save souls. So God uses physical things to explain spiritual things to us so that we can be able to understand how to relate with him. Are you getting it to this point? So we said there, um, the spiritual health of the believer is something that is of great value to God. Your, your spiritual health as a believer means a lot to God. Now, before you got born again, your salvation meant a lot to God. When God got you born again, the next thing that was of concern to him was not your salvation because your salvation is now already sealed in Christ Jesus. The next thing God is concerned is now your spiritual health because your spiritual health determines a lot in your life now we explain that why uh, why is your spiritual health so important and we made three statements if you are not here you can put it down three reasons why your spiritual health is so important number one because your because healthy things grow the first reason why your spiritual health is important to god because number one healthy things grow It is very easy for things that are healthy to grow naturally. If a child is sick, it is difficult for the growth of the child to become possible. So, healthy things grow. A healthy animal will grow. A healthy human will grow. A healthy plant will grow. But if that thing is not healthy, it becomes very difficult or possibly impossible for that thing to grow. Are you following to this, to this point? Good. So, what we say in the point one is that your spiritual health determines your spiritual growth your spiritual health determines your spiritual growth that is why your spiritual health is of so much importance to god because it is one of the determinants of your growth if you are not healthy spiritually you can't grow spiritually number two the second reason why your spiritual health is so important is that healthy things are strong healthy things are strong in other words, your spiritual health determines your spiritual strength and capacity. Your spiritual health determines your spiritual strength and capacity. 
Very important reality. In other words, your spiritual health determines what you can do. So your spiritual health first determines how you can grow. Now your spiritual health determines what you can do. And if you remember, I told you that the believer is a spiritually elastic being. The believer is a spiritually elastic being. Which means he can determine the extent to which he wants to build his relationship with God. Or his capacity in God. We are spiritually elastic beings. We, you, can, you can determine how well you want to stretch in your work with God. I wish I had time. You know, this human body is physically elastic. A slim person can go to the gym and will not know that he has all it takes inside him to have muscles. Sometimes you know there are people who have stretch marks. When you see stretch marks on your body, it means that there's an allowance inside you to be able to grow out. So be careful. Are you following this thing? So, just like man is physically elastic, he can change in shape. In that same way, you are spiritually elastic. You can grow in spiritual capacity. There is no limitation. You can determine the extent. Just like you can choose how long you want to go to the gym to determine your body size. You can determine your spirit size. So your spiritual health determines your spiritual strength and capacity. Number three, your spiritual health, spiritual healthy things flourish. Healthy things flourish. Anything that is healthy flourishes. In other words, your spiritual health determines your spiritual wealth. Your spiritual health determines your spiritual wealth. So now, just look at the order. First of all, your spiritual health determines your spiritual growth. Number two, your spiritual health determines your spiritual strength. Then thirdly, your spiritual health determines your spiritual wealth. How rich you want to be spiritually is determined by your health. Third John 2. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So we have physical prosperity and soul or spiritual prosperity. And according to God, he's saying that if your physical prosperity outweighs your physical prosperity, that physical prosperity may be the hindrance to your spiritual progress. In other words, we are to, we are to prosper physically in proportion to our spiritual prosperity. So you cannot grow beyond your you, you cannot grow your physical wealth beyond your spiritual wealth. So, how much resources do you have in the spirit? What is your wealth? What have you built for yourself spiritually? So important. So, we are dealing with the 10 questions to diagnose your spiritual health. In other words, if, you, if that question is posed to you today and you don't have the right answer it requires, that means you are not healthy as a child of God. And if you are not healthy as a child of God, you are not safe with your spiritual life. Today, many people are no longer concerned about their spiritual lives anymore. And they are playing games with their spirituality. But I told you last week in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the verse 7, he says, 
Bodily exercise profited little, but godliness is profitable for what? All things. So he says, but refuse old wine fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. This is saying that we should make an effort and labor in developing ourselves to become more Christ-like. It's an exercise. Praise God. It's an exercise. It's something you must do. No one goes to the gym for you. No one exercises you unto godliness. Next verse. He says, For bodily exercise profit a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. That means the profit you gain when you become godly far outweighs the profit you gain when you become physically strong. What it's also saying is that the profit you gain when you become a godly person or a spiritual person is actually a benefit that covers all around. Every aspect of your life is influenced by, by your godliness. I'm teaching good here. That's why every Christian who means business with God must mean business with a spiritual life. If you want to honor a man, if you want to truly envy a man, envy a man that is spiritual. You don't envy a man because of his car or his house or his money. When you start becoming envious of the spiritual prosperity of others, that is real, genuine jealousy. We call it the jealousy of God. It is centered on godliness. There is godly jealousy. Praise God. So the priority of a spiritual man is not physical matters. The more worldly a man becomes, then I know that that man has not yet traded with the things of God. Let's go into the, the first question. The first question among the ten to diagnose your spiritual health, I think you can increase the volume a little now, is do you hunger and thirst for God? Do you hunger and thirst for God? Do you hunger and thirst for God? So, I'm sure everybody might have answered that question already. If you answer that question, you should know your spiritual state. If you're not hungry and more thirsty for God, there's a problem. There's a challenge. There's a challenge with your spiritual health. You are not healthy. And because you're not healthy, it's going to affect your spiritual growth. Let's take some scriptures and do some few explanations. Now, the psalmist gave an evidence of a testy man. How will you be able to notice if a man is testy? Let's go into the scripture. First of all, let's look at Psalm chapter 42, the verse 1 and 2. Now, observe. He says, as the heart, another version says, as the deer panted after the water brooks, so panted my soul after thee, O God. So, David was a spiritual man, yet he acknowledged that he had pantings for God. So, get to the next verse. He says, my soul thirsted for God. <laughs> for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, this is very important. When shall I come and appear before God? Not that. I'm going to explain that soon. Come with me to Psalm 63 from the verse 1 to 8. You will love this meeting. You will love it. 
He says, Oh God, thou art my God. Only will I seek thee. My soul tested for thee. My flesh longed for thee in a dry and testy land where there is no water. Look at that. Next verse. He says, To see thy what? Power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Next verse. He says, Because thy, life, thy, thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Look at the evidences of a thirsty man. Next verse. He says, Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Next verse. He says, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyfulness. Next verse. He says, When I remember upon my bed, meaning what you've been doing on your bed, I got too much at it. And meditate on thee in the night watches. Next verse. He says, Because thou hast been my help, therefore in thy shadow, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Next verse. He says, My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Now the psalmist gives us about eight evidences of a testy person. The first point he makes here is that there is a longing to be in his presence. An evidence of a thirsty man is one who has a longing to be in God's presence. You woke up late Monday morning. You normally pray at 5.30 or 5 o'clock. But by the time you woke up, it was 5.45 or 6 o'clock. So you have to rush quickly because you, you have to catch a bus. So on your way going, because you have not prayed, now there is a certain longing in you that I have not met with God. I have not seen God's face this morning. Now, there's a certain discomfort, a certain longing. It's, like, it's as though you want to pray in the bus. It's as though you wish you didn't go to work so that you can pray. It's as though you wish you went to work late so that you can be able to pray before going. That longing to be in God's presence is a sign that you're a testy man. And that sign is a sign you are healthy. A, a testy man is a healthy man. Write that down. I love the word. <laughs> glory. I feel God's presence. So number one is a longing to be in God's presence. Number two, early rising to seek him. Early rising to seek him. <laughs> early rising to seek him. You know, some people say that um, you can pray at any time. Of course you can pray at any time. There's no specific time to pray. But you see, people who have walked with God will tell you that the best time to seek God is in the morning. You can argue that that's fine. Why? David said, early will I seek thee. How early is early? Early. In one of, the, one of the Psalms, he says, In the morning will I rise and pray unto thee. Daniel was a man of the morning. In Daniel 6.10, he was a man of the morning. Spiritual men give their best time to God. You know why? Because the morning is the best time. Because in the evenings, you, you, you are so tired that you may not be able to pray much. Moreover, your day has already been spent. How do you come to God when you have already gone through your day? 
in the afternoon may also be a time to pray but may not be the best time to pray why because in the afternoon there's there's so many distractions and noise especially when the sun is calling so though the bible says we should pray everywhere you must pray somewhere though there's no restriction restriction on which which specific time to pray there's a time which is called the best time to pray it's in the morning why because you 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 have taken your rest Your, your body is now refreshed how come you're going to give your body first to your boss when this body has not yet been dedicated consecrated unto god first you know it means a lot to god so the second evidence of a testimony is that he's an early riser to see god what is the first thing you do in the morning this is a very serious question i'm asking you what is the first thing you think about in the morning the moment you wake up what is your first thought i know you are a thirsty man by what comes to mind when you wake up there are some of you when you wake up in the morning the first thing you think about i am late the first thing you think about my boss will kill me the first thing you think about what is available for breakfast The first thing you think about is who disappointed you the night before. The first thing you think about is something else. But God is telling us the evidence of a testament is that when he wakes up in the morning, God is the first person he thinks about. It's an evidence of a testament. Unfortunately, this teaching is not for everybody. It's for those who are hardly following after God. This message will meet saints to their heart. Praise God. You give God some honor by not what's happening when you wake up in the morning. Robert McShane Murray wakes up and tells us that I will see the face of no man until I've seen the face of God. Where will you find that in scripture? You won't find that in scripture. But it is a discipline. It is something a man decided to do to honor God. And God honored him. If a man decides I see the face of God. Or I talk to God before I talk to men. That man will be a powerful man. That woman will be a powerful woman. And this is something I've... I've I've trained my wife to understand it. So when I start praying, we don't talk. These are disciplines the one that wants to be serious with God must put in place. That when I'm talking to God, there is no distraction. I can lock my son out and he's crying, Daddy, Daddy, let him cry. Let him cry. That's, that's not a problem. I'm, I'm meeting this God. My father. The one who gives me life to give him life. He's the one I'm meeting. When God sees that this man has sacrificed everything and he's seeking me first, God says, this man is treating me as a special man. And I'll treat him as a special man. Hallelujah. Number three is that your body accompanies your soul's test. The evidence of a testimony. Your body accompanies your soul's test. Now, give, give me the verse one. 
Look, anybody who says he's, he's testing for God, he's hungry for God, and his body is doing nothing about that test is, is just lying. He says, Only will I seek thee. My soul tested for thee. That is good. We thank God for your life. Then he says, My flesh longeth after thee. That means there is an accompanying evidence that, that comes out of your body. There's something you do with your body. Your flesh will acknowledge something. Your flesh will acknowledge that test. It will come out. I'm teaching you there. Number four. A longing to see his power in your life. <laughs> a longing to see his power. Look at the verse 2. He says to see thy power. Listen. An evidence that a man is testing for God is one who, who, who yearns for God's power in his life. And many have not really understood power. When we think of power, most of you are looking at power in the light of people falling down in administration. That is power, but it is an aspect of power. <laughs> David longed to see God's power in his life. Let me see if I can remember that because that was not part of my notes. Power actually means four things. Number one, God's power is revealed when people get saved in the salvation of souls. It's a demonstration of power. When somebody gets born again, you may think you just said Jesus loves you and the person said, oh, really? I received Jesus. It was power that was at work. Because the Bible says in Romans 2, in 1 Corinthians 12 that no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Spirit. So it takes a higher power. So anytime you lead somebody to Jesus, know that power has been displayed. The person didn't fall down. He just said, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. That is power. So if you're saying, I'm not seeing any power. If you're getting people born again, that's the power of God. Are you following that? Number two, power is in transformation. When your spiritual life, your Christian life is transforming day by day, it is also power. Because it is rare for a selfish person to become selfless. It is rare for a man who could not pray five minutes. All of a sudden, the man is now praying three hours. It is not normal. There must be a power behind it. So power is revealed in, first of all, salvation when someone gets born again. Number two, it is re revealed in what? Transformation. When you are growing, when you are transforming as a Christian, it is power. Number three, power is the presence of God revealed in worship in our, in our meetings. For example, when we're singing worship, there's a certain power, there's a certain presence. You, you will not feel or sense that, that anointing when you go to a beer bar or when you go to the internet cafe. But there's a certain presence. You can't explain it, but something just touches your heart. You, you don't know. You don't know why you are. You know you don't cry. You know for the past 16 years you have not cried. It's power. Then all of a sudden, this hardened heart of yours is now broken by the Lord. That's power. Then fourthly, power is revealed in the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. Anytime you prophesy to somebody, it is power at work. 
You give a word of knowledge, it's power at work. A word of wisdom, power at work. It takes God power, God's power to produce that. So, never say you don't have power. You must long to see these things in your life. To get people born again, to see yourself transform. Can we move on? Am I helping you? Good. Number one, where are we now? Number five, to see his glory. An evidence of a testimony is a man that longs to see God's glory in his life. God's glory in his life. So if you, if you are not concerned about the power of God upon you, Lord, release your power for me to live above sin. When a believer is living above sin, those days, you, there was something that controlled you to watch pornography. All of a sudden, that desire is gone. You think it is normal. The thing has just vanished. You don't have that desire again. It is power. I was, I was a footballer, a professional footballer. I was playing third division. And one day in a prophetic meeting, the prophet came and pointed me and said, you are going to be a prophet of God. And you are going to change the nation. He just pointed his hand and spoke words. That word was converted as power in my soul. He gave me his shirt to wear. The shirt was full of sweat. I wore the shirt and slept. The next morning, when I woke up, the desire to play football. You don't know that desire I had to play football. I am somebody, when I catch, catch something, I'm telling you who I am. When I catch something, I move with it. It is very difficult to stop me. So when it's in a negative, <laughs> poshi. That's why God has made me who I am. So <laughs> when I cast something, I take it here like that. Move. Away bars. No turning back. All of a sudden, a new power came upon me and I never desired to play football. In fact, I said I will not go to school again because of the football career. All of a sudden, the next day, this footballer is now kneeling and playing football for Christ. So that desire that just left was the power of God. So you need to understand this thing so that you, 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 don't, you don't get unappreciative of what God has been doing in your life. Today, look at you. You are speaking in tongues for one hour. Look. You are able to read two chapters of the Bible a day. You. You. People offend you and then you take it easy. Cool. I said, it's okay. Hey, it's okay. You. That's not normal. It's the power of God. You, that greedy person that wants everything to yourself, all of a sudden you are giving out. It is a power. Because not many can do that. Are you following this? So the, the next one is a longing for his glory. What is God's glory? His glory is his weight. God's glory is his weight. It's spiritual heaviness. You become heavy in the spirit. You must long for it. A man that is spiritually tested is a man that longs for God's glory upon his life. Number six, your lips praise and praises him. An evidence of a, a man that is thirsty is a man you find in prayer and praise. Prayer and what? Praise. 
you know you hardly find Christians who praise God they only praise him when they come to church you know why because there's no evidence of test and hunger it's an overflow when you are just testing you just you you will just praise him it is spontaneous you sing praise to him in the car you sing praise to him it comes naturally number seven even on bird you think and meditate upon him even on or in bed you think and meditate upon him the evidence of a testy man is that he thinks upon God and meditates upon God please if you don't find yourself in this category cry to God you, you think and meditate upon God oh I it has taken over my life now I just love to think on him his kingdom if you are somebody who is easily distracted you your mind is easily swapped then you start thinking about things you're not supposed to think about that means you are somebody who must start meditating on scripture get very good scriptures and meditate upon them soon it's, go, it's going to start correcting itself if you are a loose thinker you know they are loose thinkers a loose thinker is someone who just gives in to think about any thought whether it's edifying or not edifying he's a loose thinker and listen we are beings of thoughts and the devil knows that that's why he helps us by giving us, giving us thoughts there are some thoughts you think about you never intended to think about them but you realize you are thinking about them there is somebody that came to me and said that he has been thinking when he sees his pastor's wife and I knew it's not him no it's not him he said he doesn't know why he has been he has been just thinking that way it's not him but you see you must learn to fight that battle in the thought by having counter scriptures you meditate on am I teaching good here number 8 your soul follows hard after God your soul follows hard after God. Can we proceed? Are you excited at all? Now you can put this down. Your soul thirst is a sign of your soul health. Your soul first is a sign of your soul health. Now, there was a deception that we had some time ago about being hungry and thirsty for God. You know, the initial understanding we had was that spiritual hunger and thirst is only, it only comes in the initial stage of your Christian journey. Right? So, so there are people today who quote-unquote are spiritual leaders who are above us or like fathers or something who said oh when we were your time you know we were doing all these prayers you know so i i see that same fire inside you keep it on keep it on do you know that there's a problem in that area because 
almost all the saints in the old time began with fire and died with fire they began hungry and died hungry David Livingston died on his knees John Bunyan his last statement before he died he said prayer is a breath to the soul a scourge which means a whip to the devil and a sacrifice to God that was the last statement he made before he died look at these people Charles Spurgeon praying hide Samuel Chadwick these guys began with fire and hunger and died with the same hunger so how come we are saying today that the, having thirst and hunger for God is only in the initial stages there is a problem now let me challenge you a bit have you ever outgrown physical hunger and thirst <laughs> am I helping you at all do you understand where I'm coming from so on the physical level you don't outgrow hunger and thirst if you are 28 you still eat when you turn 50 you still eat and drink meaning hunger and thirst is naturally a part of the human being likewise hunger and thirst should be naturally part of the spiritual being I'm teaching good here so you don't outgrow hunger spiritual hunger and thirst is not the it's not in the initial stage of your spiritual journey it's actually your journey itself the journey is run with hunger and thirst it is hungry men thirsty men that take nations for God it is hungry and thirsty men that take kingdoms for God it is hungry and thirsty men that do exploits for God check any man that is taking nations for Christ any man that is making impact in his spiritual work with God that man is a man who is hungry and thirsty so we begin our journey in hunger we continue our journey in hunger and thirst and then we end our spiritual journey in hunger and thirst continue with our diagnosis anytime a man is sick one of the first things you notice is that the person loses appetite if the person's favorite food is jollof rice and the person is sick and you bring jollof rice he'll tell you no and that tells you that mm, his favorite food and he's rejecting it that means he's really sick so one of the evidences of, of sickness is appetite issues it is the same in the spiritual one of the evidences that a man is spiritually sick is his appetite if you are not thirsty and hungry for Jesus Christ there is sickness inside are you catching something there is sickness inside. There's a, there's a spiritual disease that needs to be treated. So a sign of health is appetite. 
when that man who was sick four days ago with malaria takes some good drug within three four days that same man who could not eat a quarter ball of banku now clears four balls why appetite don't return your spiritual health by your appetites some of you spiritually you need mojedro you need appetizer you need to have beer and that's what i'm giving to you today oh you're not excited you can write this down before we proceed the difference between people is the kind of hunger and test in their soul. The difference between people is the hunger and test in their soul. <laughs> oh, what a lovely day. I love you, Jesus. I love you. I love you so much. Love of my soul, I love you. Now, to build on this very point, I want to give you three kinds of thirst the soul can experience. Three kinds of hunger and thirst the soul can experience. If you understand these three kinds of thirst this morning, something will happen to you. You will never be the same again. Are we good to go? Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right. So the first kind of thirst the soul experiences is what we call the thirst of an empty soul. The thirst of an empty soul. Now, let's explain. The thirst of an empty soul is a test to know God. Or it is called the test for salvation. Anyone or any man without Jesus Christ has a test of emptiness in his soul. He's looking for a God, but he can't find that God. There's a reason people have joined occults and all these groups, spiritual groups. The, the whole quest is to know a God. People are into all kinds of things today because there is a certain emptiness that that person wants to feel. And because he doesn't know the true God, he's trying to look for God. The first test is called the test of what? An empty soul. That is the test of a man that wants to know God. He doesn't know him. He's not born again. Any man that says he's an atheist, he doesn't believe God, he's just lying. I read something funny yesterday on someone's wall. It was, it was published in a newspaper. An atheist helps a woman to pay his son's school fees and the woman thanked God. <laughs> I just laughed. <laughs> the atheist helped pay the school fees and the woman thanked God. So, the test of an empty soul, please note that point, is the test of what? An empty soul. 
that soul has not been satisfied by Jesus. In John chapter 4, the verse 14, this tells us a man that is not with, with Christ or a man without Jesus Christ is a man that is thirsty, yet that test is out of emptiness. There's a gap, there's a void inside me. I can't explain that void. But I, I, I need something to fill it. Look, it says, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never test. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. Look at John chapter 7, the verse 38. John 7, 38. He says, he that believeth on me. That means the person is not born again. As the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Next verse. He says, but this speak he of the Holy Spirit, which, that means any man without Jesus Christ is void or devoid of the Holy Spirit. So, because that person is not filled with the Spirit, because that person is not born again or saved, there is an emptiness in his soul that is looking, testing for God. And there is a problem. Many of you us have not realized that nothing else can satisfy the soul of a man, whether you are in Christ or not, except Jesus Christ. Nothing. Give you some few accounts. There was a there are famous, rich, wealthy, famous people who committed suicide. And you'll be amazed some of the reasons why they committed suicide. Telling us that this thing called money and all these things people see are they can't test, they, they, they can't satisfy you. There was one man called Robin Williams. He was an actor and a comedian for over 30 years. When he turned 63, he hanged himself due to depression. Now, a man that made people laugh, could he make himself laugh? Now, have you thought of that? Meaning your career cannot satisfy you. Now, that's a serious matter here. Because there are people who are finding relevance in their career. That's dangerous. Because this is a man that did this for 30 years and still killed himself. A man called Chris Conwell. He was a lead revolutionary, revolutionary singer. He killed himself in his hotel after an amazing performance. And the crowd was cheering him. You are an amazing singer. People were weeping like Michael Jackson. He left the meeting and went to kill himself in his hotel. This is a popular singer. This guy made, made a name. He had a voice. He had money. He had to kill himself. Have you asked yourself what will make such a man kill himself? You are dead day dreaming that the day will get money. Someone had it. The day I'll get fame and people will carry my bag for me. Someone had it. He killed himself. What is he telling us? A man called Vladimir Mayakovsky. He was a poet and a writer who shaped Russian history. He got depressed because he was afraid to become old. And he killed himself at age 37. He said he can't stand the fact that he'll be an old man. <laughs> Something
something is wrong. This is a man that shaped the history of the entire Russia with his writings and with his poems. And look at what happened to him. Look, there was another man, there's another woman called Stephanie Adams. She was an American former glamour model. Very famous lady. I saw a picture when I was doing the research. So beautiful. You know, after some time, it looks like she got fed up of life. She was depressed. She jumped off a 25 story through the window. And do you know what she did? She, she added her seven year old son. Now, Pesu Kumwa. Your seven year old innocent boy, you handed him to the jump from the window and they both died instantly. This was a beautiful woman, meaning, even beauty cannot satisfy. Handsomeness cannot satisfy. There was a man, there was actually a wrestler. His nickname was Mike Awesome. A professional wrestler. After some few years of making a name, he hanged himself. Another called August Arms, who was a Canadian pornography actress and a model. And you know these people, these, these porn stars are very rich. So she was into modeling also. And she was known. Do you know what made her kill herself? She posted a tweet on social media which was controversial and people lambasted her. She could not stand it. And she killed herself. Because she felt embarrassed that people could do that to her. Hi! Africa, come. <laughs> Which means that even social media cannot satisfy you. There are some of you, you have placed all your relevance on Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp status. That's where you find relevance. If, people, if three people checked your status that day, that means you were not stat statusable. <laughs> if 120 people viewed I'm important. You can never find satisfaction there. I know what I'm saying. You won't find satisfaction there. One terrorist called Abu Bakr in Iraq. He got fed up of bombing and he bombed himself. <laughs> the bomber don't bomb himself. Even terrorists get depressed. Abu, he committed suicide. He bombed himself. That means even bombing cannot satisfy. <laughs> A man called Edwin Armstrong. Do your history. The one who invented FM radio. FM radio in 1829 jumped off a 13th floor window 
believing that he was a failure. The FM radio we are all enjoying, Peace FM, Joy FM, Atinka FM, yet there's no feeling. The one we are all enjoying, look at 1829 when he invented FM radio. He said it was a failure. You know the problem? The problem was not the invention of FM. The problem was that Christ was not invented in his heart. It doesn't matter what you do, what you find yourself doing. If, I'm going to get, let me not go ahead of myself. He said it was a failure. There are students who have hanged themselves because they failed one paper. They had six A's and one F. Why should I have an F? F name fatal. That's the only problem. A letter. Letter F. You see, if people who commit suicide spend some little time with some of us, they'll be fine. You'll be amazed. You know, let's, let's, let's continue. Another called Pierre Berry Govoy killed himself after losing a general election. He should go and ask John Dumelo. <laughs> and the man is still surviving. You lose an election and you kill yourself because of the shame. That means that his heart was not in God. His heart was in politics. I've heard people who finished watching a football match and they committed suicide. Meanwhile, no team is paying them. And I'll show you why all these things are happening. I'll show you why all these things are happening. And you may think that it's not... It's not far from you. Robert Clive, who was a British conqueror, he conquered the whole of India. He conquered the whole of India. After some time, he just took a pen knife and cut his throat. Look at the population of India. He, he, conquered, he was a British conqueror. He conquered the whole of India. That means even success, winning a battle, it's not even where you can find satisfaction. Look at these areas I'm just mentioning. Popularity, all these people. Adolf Hitler, the one that killed over one million Jews. Terrorized many nations. Took so many nations that did not belong to him. He killed himself. Do you know how he killed himself? He poisoned himself as he was dying and he shot himself. So that if the gunshot does not work, the poison will work. Please write this down before we proceed. Money, fame, write all these things. And when you go home, read it to yourself. Education, marriage, cars, houses, write as fast as you can. Social media, sex, food. Who said he? Family, friends, phones, employment, good music, party, entertainment, 
career profession promotion not pen drive promotion can never satisfy <laughs> it can never satisfy there was no one probably living on this earth who ever tasted wealth more than Solomon who never ever tasted women <laughs> More than Solomon. Who ever tasted glory? More than Solomon. Hey! So, money, fame, women, what? Name them. He had everything. In fact, the Queen of Sheba heard about the wealth of Solomon and did not believe it. And she said she would come and look at it herself. And she came. When she came and saw it, she said, even what was told me, it was not even half of it. Then she gave herself to Solomon and Solomon slept with her. <laughs> hey, pass along. <laughs> wow. So, let's just analyze this guy. 300 wives. 700 kokumba. 700 kokumbais. So, how many of them do you sleep with in a day? Because we have 365 days in a year. And it's 1,000 women. How did you do it? So that means, let's assume that he was, he, he was doing 20 per day. You will die. I don't know whether there, there was a baby drove those days. <laughs> okay, okay, let's 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 get highly spiritual in this environment. Here. I don't like the atmosphere here. Who we'll stay here? Who we'll stay here? Let's move. I don't like what is going on here. these things Solomon looked at all his wealth and what he has accomplished in fact Solomon never fought the battle so the guy was relaxing and I will kill you with enjoyment enjoyment that's it so no battle all his life one kuntokwa masem Yes, I can see, I can see <laughs> What? You, at least, even if he was fighting, we can understand. You fight. You know, when I get to heaven, I know I'm going to heaven. When I get there and the angels are receiving, I say, Pacho, hold on. Where's Solomon? Where's Solomon? Obi friend Solomon, bro. Ask somebody where is Solomon. 
if, is there anybody here who's called Solomon in the house? Okay. After looking at everything he has accomplished, he said, vanity. He said, everything is vanity. If you don't believe Solomon, don't believe anybody. If Solomon is telling you everything is vanity, you have to believe him. Meaning, upon all what he had, do you know one thing he lost? He had everything but lost one thing, God. Go and read First Kings 11. The Bible says that most, Solomon began, his heart began to turn away from the Lord. That was the first warning. Second warning, he says Solomon, Solomon's heart turned from the Lord. First one, he began to turn. Secondly, he turned from the Lord. He had everything but God. Some of you today, you are too busy for God. You are, your busy schedule has taken the place of God. And he's just watching you. You are not the richest. You are not the most famous. And all these people who have accomplished everything are telling you it's vanity. And yet you pursue everything apart from God. I want to plead with you today. If you are hearing the sound of my voice, align with God. Align. Do you know that Abraham Muslow's theory of need is what has corrupted even the church today? I was doing a research and I was like, God, it seems that is what's going on in the church, even amongst pastors. In Abraham Muslow's theory, he said the first need is physiological needs. What is physiological needs? It's got to do with food, air, water, clothing, and reproduction. That's the first need of man, according to Abraham Muslow. The second need is called safety needs, which is personal security, employment, resources, health, and property. The third need of man, according to Abraham Muslow, is love and belonging. Everybody needs to, to belong. Friendship. It has got to do with friendship, intimacy, family, a sense of connection. The fourth theory of need according to Abraham was esteem, self-esteem. Respect. Status. Recognition. Freedom. Then the final need of this man was self-actualization which is a desire to become the most one can ever be wow can I shock you everything that Abraham Maslow outlined as a need never had the most important need recorded everything he stated as a need only satisfied temporarily all these people who committed suicide I mentioned just now were people who came to this point. They had everything and still died. There was only one need Abraham Mosto did not outline called the spiritual need. The need for God. The need for a relationship with God. He never placed that there. And I can tell you, if that need is placed first, a man will find himself Today, the Christian has the mentality, all right, let me go to school. I go to school. I finish JSS. 
I just moved to SS or SHS. I moved to SHS. Where do I go? The university. I finish the university. I do my service. I'm done my service. I wait for a job. I get a job. Um, I just try to see if I can lobby for some promotion. I get some promotion. I do some masters. I do the masters. I better myself. Then I try to get a car. I get a car. I realize that I need a wife. I get a wife. I get a wife. I make sure I change my bed. I get some children. After getting some children, the house becomes smaller. I move to a bigger house. I look for a land because I don't want to rent it again. I realize my car is a saloon car. So now I need what? A 4x4 four four car. So I get a 4x4. Four four. I'm feeling good. Now I need to move to my own house now. So I finish my building project now. And then now I, I try to get something that is more bigger that can earn me more finances. Then I get to let's say... Uh, 50 something years as I'm getting close to 60 then I'm preparing my will for my children then I die there are many Christians today you, you know everything I just said is not wrong but it can be wrong when we don't analyze these pursuits very well especially in the light of our relationship with Jesus Please note this thing. You see, what changes this whole thing I just mentioned is the God factor. Why is God's glory in what you are pursuing? Why is the advancement of God's kingdom in what you are pursuing? What is the difference between your pursuit and that of the unbeliever? Because the unbeliever is pursuing the same thing and you are a Christian. And what's the purpose of your pursuit? Have you ever told God that, Lord, when I finish this master's and I get this good job, I'm going to help support your kingdom for your kingdom to grow? That is not part of the mini agenda. So people have stopped praying. Why? Because there's so much pressure doing masters. So much pressure meeting target. So much pressure saving. So much pressure doing investment. So God is out of the equation. Now, don't look at me that way because I'm only talking for God. So, God is out. Prayer is out. Jesus is out. God's glory is out. God's power is out. Salvation of souls is out. And God is out of the business of our lives. And we say we are successful. You won't believe I told you someone got me a car. Just in two weeks driving the car, when I see people in 4x4, four four, I want to get 4x4. Four four. Your pastor is making a confession. Just two weeks. Just two weeks. The desire to get 4x4 four four is growing. And it's a thought. That doesn't mean I'm going to do it. I'm just telling you. I said, oh, if I get, I think 4x4 four four will look much better just two weeks two two weeks there are some of you listen you are humble because you have you have not gotten anywhere yet the reason why you are putting your hands at your back is because she knew bottom get a new job and let's see you get busy and let's see get a car and let's see start a project and let's see 
and will know the place of God in your heart. Some of you were going for retreats five years ago, three years ago. Every month you go for two days retreat. You have stopped. And one thing God has always suffered from the hands of men is that I'm busy. He has always had it. Busy, busy, busy. I hear some businessmen and say, this businessman, he's a very busy man. Oh. So how come he has three girlfriends? How is he servicing them? How does he make time to go to their houses? Or how does he make time for them to come and visit him in his second house? He makes time! Everybody can make time. Listen, there is no time we make it. There is no time we make it. Me, I don't have time. But I make time. You, you don't have time. But you must make time. And one of the best gifts God gave to man is time. You can use time to corrupt yourself or you can use time to empower yourself. What are you using time for? He gave us time. And you use time to waste your life. There are some of you Saturday evening, instead of sleeping by 8 o'clock, you will chat from 8 o'clock to 2 o'clock, then you sleep. That's why you don't wake up early on Sunday. This is just a side attraction. Because you don't sleep early. Because, you see, many of you have not known that Sunday is a day we consecrate to the Lord. It's a decision. We consecrate that day to the Lord. So anything that keeps you busy, you turn it off. You, you cut it. There are some of you, you finish your episodes on Saturday evening. Oh, thank you for looking at me that way. I, I know. I know. Alright, my time is up. Oh, someone says no. <laughs> you love the teaching, eh? So listen. The first test is the test of what? An empty soul. And only Jesus can satisfy this when you get born again. The second test in the next five minutes before we close is the test of a dry soul. That's not the same as the first. The second test is called the test of a dry soul. The test of a dry soul. Now, this test actually is not a test for salvation because this person is born again. Remember the first test, the test of what? An empty soul. This man is empty. He doesn't have God. But now this person is not born again. But how come he still has tests in his soul? This test is now having a test of dryness. Spiritual stillness. You lose your freshness in the spirit. So a believer can be born again and still be stale. So this test is a test that describes the dry state of a believer. You are born again. But you're not making progress. There is something inside you that is yearning for God. God is using something to draw your attention to the fact that you, you, are, you are being distracted. It's a test. Now, the next question somebody is going to ask is that how can a believer test when Jesus says whosoever drinks of this water I will give him shall never test. That's a serious question. Jesus said we will never test. 
So how come I'm still testing? He says I won't test. I can tell you as I'm teaching, I'm, I'm testing. There is a burning inside me for Jesus. So now, how does Jesus tell me that um, I will never test again? Then I still find myself testing. Now, there's one great man of God called John Piper who was reading that same scripture I just quoted in John chapter 4, the verse 14. And whilst he was reading, he asked the Lord, Lord, what do you mean? I'm reading to you. I am thirsty. My church is thirsty. My pastors are thirsty. So what do you mean by I will never test? And God replied him. Listen to this reply. Pay attention. God's reply was, when you drink my water, your thirst is not destroyed forever. If it did that, would you feel any need for my water afterward? That is not my goal. I do not want self-sufficient Christians. What, when you drink my water, it makes, you it makes a spring in you. A spring satisfies test, not by removing the need you have for water, but being there to give you water whenever you get thirsty again and again. Now, let me explain what he just said. I'm sure someone is like, man of God, I'm not getting it. Now, what he's saying is that, you know, Jesus comes as a river, right? And he comes to live in you. Now, the presence of a borehole or a well in your house, does it mean that there's no need for water again? People will get thirsty. People will wash cars. So the presence of a well in your house is not the end of the need for water. Are you getting that? So if Jesus comes to live in you as a river, what does it mean that he comes to destroy your hunger and thirst? What it means is that he is there so that any time you are thirsty, you can drink. Is it clear? So Jesus comes as a river. So that emptiness you have is now filled with a river. But now you have to draw from that river inside you. And the Bible says, with joy, you will draw out of the wells of salvation. Now salvation is inside you as a well. You must draw it. You must draw it. So, being in Christ does not mean that you will never test again. The word never test again in context was referring to salvation. You will never again have salvation as a desire. It will be an accomplished fact. But as a Christian, you will still be thirsting after God and testing after God and testing after God. Let's do this finally and then let's close. Now, your soul becomes spiritually dry and testy when these four things are in place. So, what happens or what causes spiritual test in the soul of a believer? Talking of dryness. Number one, your soul becomes spiritually dry and testy when you have settled and arrived with your spiritual experiences. When you have settled and arrived with your spiritual experiences. There are many Christians who have now gone on retirement they have arrived because they think they know God. God is okay. I've done plenty. 
you have settled and arrived with your spiritual experiences. It's like a spiritual sense of accomplishment. At least just last week, we did 12 hours prayer. It's okay for the year. You know, a sense of settlement and what? And what? Arrival. Number two, when you become familiar with your spiritual journey, you can become so familiar with your work with God that if you don't take care, you may miss something great. You've been praying one hour every day for the past 10 years. There's a strong tendency for you to get familiar with it. You know the words you say in prayer. You know how to navigate your spiritual ways. You know how to get things done. You know how to cast out devils. You know how to fill people with the Holy Ghost. So you have become so familiar. It is dangerous. It can cause spiritual dryness. There are many pastors today, I can tell you, they are traveling to different places to preach, but they are dry. They are very dry. People are clapping for them because of the name and all that. But they are dry. There are many Christians today who are serving Jesus Christ with dryness. There are many church workers today who are serving God dry. And they don't know. You can become familiar. Number three, when you desert God's presence. Now, when I say when you desert God's presence, you know, some people may crucify me. But you must understand that I'm not ignorant of anything I'm teaching you here. Now, when you get born again, God's presence comes to live in you because the Holy Spirit is, is inside you. Praise God. But you see, you need to understand God's presence in its general light, which is positional. When you are born again, the Holy Ghost lives in you. You must also understand God's presence in its experiential light. There are many believers, there are some believers who are experiencing the presence of God more than other believers. Why is it a man of God who say, Do you want it? Do you want it? Take it! And everybody's falling down. And you say, Do you want it? Do you want it? Take it and you fall down. <laughs> Pastor Benin spent days in the room fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost. Now the, the presence of God rubbed on him literally. When you're talking to him, you are crying. W.F. Kumiye, there was a time he, he spent so much time with God that before the, a man of God introduced him, by the time the man was handing over the mic, he started weeping because of the presence of God around the man. Do you know you can feel a certain aura about, around people and then you'll be wondering, are you a pastor? Meanwhile, they never told their pastors. And some of you, some of you see and say, are you an honor robber? <laughs> I'm teaching good here. You can discern God's presence. And what happens is that, let me see, I'm going to help you. When you discern God's presence for a long time, God is going to do something to you. He's going to redraw the consciousness of his near presence from you. As though he's hiding. It's deliberate. He's going to redraw the consciousness of his near presence from you. Until you start feeling uncomfortable. This is not where I belong. <laughs> What's happening to me? It's like, quote unquote, it's like you are feeling bad that something is wrong. It is God that is doing that. 
there's an example of a man that went to um, town with his daughter. When they went to town, the daughter was overexcited about the things around and the daughter started going away from the father. And she went away further from the father until she got to a place where they were playing game. And she decided to play the game. So she played the game until at a point she became conscious, she, she became conscious that, ah, all the people here, I don't know them. Then he told her, why is daddy? Why is daddy? Why is daddy? No, no, the daddy saw her going. So the daddy has already seen her from afar. But the daddy didn't go. The daddy was just waiting for her. He was shouting, why is daddy? Why is daddy? And the, the man who's in charge of the game said, oh, I can give you more playing time. Come and play more. Immediately, she lost joy. She lost excitement about even having extra game time. Why? Because she was conscious of where is daddy. And she went looking for daddy. And daddy was also looking for her. But daddy knew where she was. And soon, they reunited. When they reunited, the daughter held the hands of daddy. And when she held the hands of her daddy, no game could satisfy what she experienced holding the hands of daddy. That is the best picture of our lives. We are children of God. But sometimes we can draw away from God by many distractions and pleasure. There'll be a time in your life you realize that all of a sudden, movie, 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 or oh, too much friends, too much friends, too much friends, or oh, busy, 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 and soon you are drawing away from daddy. And you find something more exciting than daddy, and she was uh, playing a game. Then it dawned on her. Why is daddy? Because all the people here are strangers. There must be a time in your life when you realize that there are some things going on in your life that is foreign to your relationship with God. And she said, Why is daddy? You must say the same thing. Where's my daddy? Where's papa? Where's papa? Where's my father? Where's my father? Then you go back looking for God. It's been two weeks I've not prayed. Let me go back to daddy. Let me go back to daddy. And daddy has seen you already. But he's glad you are making the move. And as you draw closer, and he embraces you, there is no other thing you ever find pleasure in. Somebody's wondering, man of God, so can you spend your entire life reading your Bible? You have not yet seen something. During the waiting, there were days I spent 16 hours on Bible reading. You'll be wondering, what am I reading? You don't know. I spent most time reading only a few verses. I found it exciting. Being in his presence. daddy. I've lost sight of daddy. I've been distracted by daddy because of pressure from work. I've been distracted from daddy because of pleasure and entertainment. I've been distracted because of frustration of having a new job. I've been distracted from daddy. Do you know depression, frustration, even problems can distract you away from God? You can focus more on your problems than Jesus Christ. And that problem can become a hindrance to you. God is calling you back. Nothing else can satisfy. That same man that was promoted after two years will want more promotion. That same man that had a new car in the next two years will want another better car. And you realize that the human heart can never be satisfied. The more you gain, the more you want to gain. 
the more you get, the more you want to get. But there's only one man, one person that can truly satisfy. I present Jesus to you. When you truly find Jesus, when you truly find a genuine relationship with Jesus, every other thing will be a distraction. Every other thing will never be exciting again. You love to pray, you can't explain it. You love to read your Bible when nobody tells you to do it. One of the signs that a man is growing is when he now begins to do things without him being told. Get to a place where you are not told to read your Bible. Get to a place where you are not told to pray. Get to that place. Where you are drawn in. You are sucked in by God. I'm hungry. I don't know about you. But I'm hungry for Jesus. And nothing will take that place. Nothing. I vowed nothing can take that place. Not even ministry. There are many people who have been distracted by ministry. We call them the martyr generation. Martha was busy working for Jesus. I thought that was a good thing. Yes, it's a good thing. Mary was busy sitting at the feet of Jesus and drawing from Jesus. And Martha was uncomfortable because she thought she was doing something better than Mary was doing, working for Jesus. You know what Mary said? Martha said, it says, Jesus Christ bid Mary to come and join me in. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you worry about so many things like many of you. You worry about so many things. He says, but one thing is needful. One thing is needful. And Mary has chosen it. And look, he says, it shall never be taken away from him. In Mark 3, 14, the Bible says, Jesus appointed disciples that they should be with him and that they should preach. Until you have been with him, don't preach. Until you have been with him, don't work for him. You draw strength in your relationship with him. And that strength is what supplies every other strength on the outward level. Any career you are doing must be done in God's presence and God's anointing. In your education, in your marriage, in your life, in your career, anything you are finding yourself doing, never think that is separate from your spiritual life. The lie we have is that if I'm a doctor, my, my profession as a doctor is separate from my spiritual life. It's not so. Your spiritual life and your career and every other thing must synchronize with your life. So that there is no difference. We see you spiritual as a doctor, spiritual as a banker, spiritual as a lawyer, spiritual as a dentist, spiritual as any, any, any area you find yourself. We find it in it. There's no difference. We can't separate it. No, we can't separate it. We can't separate it. Can you pray in the next two minutes? Lift your voice and pray. Some believers must start getting fed up with their spiritual experiences. You are not seeing much done in your spiritual life. You must be spiritually angry. You must have a holy anger. Obara shataka palato. 
Come on, lift your voice and pray now. Can I hear the church pray now? Only you can satisfy me. Only you can satisfy my soul. Satisfy my soul. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Only you can satisfy me. Only you can satisfy my soul. Satisfy my soul. Only you can satisfy me. Only you can satisfy my soul. Satisfy my soul. Hey, only you can satisfy me. Only you can satisfy my soul. Satisfy my soul. Only you, only you, only you. 